Good afternoon, City River. Yay, people are smiling. I did it right. How much longer do you think I can use the excuse that I'm old when I mess up something like this? Maybe for a little while longer? I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, God, thank you for today. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you take this stuff that you've given me and that it would just do something to encourage or help or move people more towards you and more towards expanding the kingdom. Thank you so much, God, because your spirit is just so much better than, than anything um, I could put together and do. But you take it and you do something wonderful with it. Thank you so much. Amen. Um, welcome to uh, Lisa and Miguel. And, and uh, as I was uh, getting ready last night and reading over what I was going to do, I just felt like God wanted me to share something with you. Um, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 16 that um, God had opened a door of effective work for him, and there were many who opposed him. And I felt like God wanted to say to you, God has opened a great door of effective work for both of you. You're not making up some of the things that have happened recently. But God says he opened that door for you. Be sure there is and will continue to be opposition, but that just means you've really angered the enemy rather than anything you're doing wrong. Stay attuned to how God will continue to develop all that God has put in your heart. And here's what I feel like he really wanted you to get. Your impact is and will become greater than those you actually physically touch. It's a generational thing. The greatest multiplication of what you do are going to be in the lives of children and children's children. And God says his desire for good in people is being fully realized because you have been faithful. And as you continue to be faithful, the kingdom is going to be significantly impacted in ways you will never know until you get to heaven. Amen. Okay. (sighs) Now we can talk. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Bless you. Can't wait to hear all your stuff. What's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. That quote is from Romeo and Juliet by William Shakespeare, one of the most well-known there is. Juliet's commentary is poetic and legendary, but I suggest it is inaccurate. Names matter. A name can be impacting on how we relate with people. A person's name is probably the single greatest connection to their own identity and individuality. It can be the most important word in the world to a person is simply to remember their names. Every one of us at one time or another can likely remember a time when we just said somebody's name and they were so delighted we even remembered it. When somebody remembers our name after meeting us, a lot of times we can feel respected and valued. Names matter. And names alone can carry entire perspectives. If I say the name Trudeau, there's a whole bunch of things that come to your mind. If I say the name Trump, there are clear ideas and concepts communicated in those names. If I say Hitler or Stalin or Mao, many people would connect those names with mass murder. 
If I say Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Nelson Mandela, or Dr. Martin Luther King, many people would connect those names with contending for the rights and dignity of the oppressed and forgotten people. Names matter. A title can also impact how we relate with a person. Bring it a little more personal. For instance, if I see Mark at church or on the video or in a restaurant, he's Mark, this really nice man. If I see Mark with his uniform on, he becomes officer. Even though I know he's still the same person, his title changes the dynamic of our relationship. Sorry, Axe, I've shared this before, but it exactly illustrates the impact of title. Um, years ago, I was going to play golf with uh, a person who was in our church, Albert Yee, and he brought two friends. Now, I'm not really good at golf. In fact, I'm really kind of not good at all at golf. I'm really good at chasing balls when they go sideways and all that kind of stuff. So for the first three holes, my, my tee shot went right or left, and so I was walking with one of Albert's friends who happened to hit his ball the same direction my ball went, only his was in the fairway and mine was way over in the weeds. So he'd help me look, and we talked through these first three holes. And it was just like really, we were really, really normal. On the fourth hole, I teed it up and hit it right down the middle where the ball is supposed to go. Albert said, great shot, Pastor Rob. It so happened that this guy that I was walking with through the other three holes also hit it right down the middle, well, farther than me, but at least it was in the middle. We're walking down, and it's dead silent. And we probably walked 150 yards, and he turns and looks at me and says, well, well, I went to Sunday school when I was little. He heard the title pastor, and everything changed. It got so weird. It took like five holes to get him to talk to me normal again. It was almost like because he found my title, he was unable to communicate about anything except what he thought would be about God. Titles and names really matter. So what I'd like to do for just a minute is if you've got something to write on, and you can do it on your computer or on your phone or something like that, get something to write with. Because we're going to do a little thing with names, and then we're going to talk about what names might mean. This would be the place where you either get your phone out or you get a piece of paper and you get ready to write a little something. Over the last two weeks, I did a completely unscientific poll of people within our church, but also people who are not in our church. I even asked the grocery store clerk when I was getting checked out the other day. I asked her these questions too. Now I want to ask you them. First question, what three words come to your mind to describe God? You can't get this wrong. Whatever you get, it's okay. It doesn't matter at all. You're not going to have these things collected. Whatever. What three words come to your mind to describe God? Don't work hard at this, just whatever pops in your mind.
Somebody look up when you're when you're done or something. There's Mark. <laughs> okay, second question. What three words come to mind to describe Father God? What three words come to mind to describe Father God? Susanna, you're my template. When I see you're done, then I figure at least one person's done. So thank you for that. Next question. What three words come to your mind to describe Jesus? And finally, the fourth question, what three words come to your mind to describe Holy Spirit? Okay, you can keep that for later to think about. If your answers are like most of the answers I received, you had different words for each of the four questions. And that's fine. There's like no wrong answers. The lady at the grocery store on Friday isn't even a Christian, but she still had answers to some of these. Except she didn't really know about Holy Spirit. So I said, well, can I pray for you and you can experience him? And she said, I'm not ready for that. That's okay. I'll get in your line next time again. There's no wrong answers. Just, you know, if you're like most people, those four things had different answers, those four descriptors. However, those four sets of three words may shed some light on the quality and the intimacy of our relationship with God, Father God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. If you don't get anything else from today, here's what I'd like you to get. Our relationship with God will most effectively grow as we see and develop relationship with Jesus. Our relationship with God will most effectively grow as we see and develop relationship with Jesus. So let me talk just real quick about these questions. First, the three words that come to describe God. The most common answers I got for this question included perfect, great, omnipotent, loving, eternal, holy, all-knowing, and good. I'm so glad good got in there. When I first started my Christian life, God was like this big, big unknown, and I was really, really small. I, I figured God wanted a relationship with me, but I didn't have any idea how to relate to a God that was perfect, holy, and eternal. Second question, three words to describe Father God. 
the words changed. Loving, had expectations. That's two words, but I've left it in there anyway. Good, demanding, and caring. There was a real mix of positive and negative responses to Father God. Now, I really wanted a relationship with Father God. And at the time, I was, I was in my early 20s. I just accepted Jesus, made a commitment to Jesus for myself. And I was trying to figure out what a relationship with my biological father could or should be as an adult, let alone what a relationship with Father God could look like. What three words came to your mind to describe Jesus? These were the easy, this was the easiest for most everybody to answer, and even non-Christians could answer this. The most significant change in the vocabulary came here. Call him friend, companion, helper, shepherd, guide, things like that. Jesus was clearly the most approachable part of God. That's where I started. That's where most people start. And finally, the fourth question, the three words that came to mind to describe Holy Spirit. The response to this was all over the place. It was almost funny or sad, and I'm not sure which. Maybe some of both. Power convicts me of sin, helper, unseen, gives gifts, mysterious. Now, for me, when I started with Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit was more like a thing, like a power generator or something rather than a person. And it was years before I understood I could actually relate to Holy Spirit like I relate to Jesus. So keep in mind one more time, our relationship with God will most effectively grow as we see and develop relationship with Jesus. For most everyone, relationship with Jesus is at least possible, and in many cases, especially to those that I'm talking to today, <coughs> excuse me, it's the most functional. Many people agree that when it comes to relationship, Jesus is the most relatable. Now, names really matter. Going back to the four questions, it's clear that by limiting our relationship primarily to Jesus, we are missing out on being able to be connected with the full majesty, wisdom, goodness, and personality of God. If our connection to God is limited to just Jesus, just Jesus, that can't be the right way to say it. If we limit it to to Jesus, we're missing out on elements and, and facets of God's personality that we won't get otherwise. Okay. God is one being. God has decided to show people who he is in three ways. Father God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. Now, before I go any further, I, wanna, I do want to add this. Talk to God however it works for you, okay? That's the most important thing. God is really good at his job. If I pray to Jesus and it's something Holy Spirit responds to, I can still connect. He doesn't get all technical and upset to go, oh, no, sorry, I can't do that. When you got to go talk to the other part of me that deals with this stuff more. When I'm in difficulty or you're in difficulty and we cry out, God, help me, that prayer is going to get through to, to the right revelation of God. But what might happen to our relationship with God if we are or we're willing or able to relate to God, to Father God, and to Holy Spirit, and to Jesus, and relate to all of them in a similar degree of familiarity and connection. I know a lot of us, if we've gone through any kind of inner healing, 
any kind of issues related to inner healing, we probably dealt with father issues. What if we were able to relate to Father God the way that we relate to Jesus and he brought healing to some of those father issues that all of us have drug around for a while unless we've actually gone through healing for that? So we're not talking about limiting to Jesus as being bad. We're talking about limiting to Jesus as being restrictive of knowing this spectacularly good and wonderful God in all the different ways he's chosen to reveal himself to us. What if the name God didn't mean distant or inability to approach? What if the name Father God didn't mean authoritarian or controlling? What if the name Holy Spirit didn't mean mysterious? What could happen to our relationship with God if we related to all of who God has revealed himself to be instead of only one part. For instance, in John 16, 13, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth who will guide us into all truth. Ask God for truth. But what might happen if we became comfortable enough to talk directly to Holy Spirit the next time we were looking for a revelation of truth in a situation? Just a thought. Again, I want to emphasize, don't worry if you're not talking to the right person or anything like that. Talk to God. He can sort it out. But we can be intentional to pursue the different kinds of dynamic that God has revealed himself in. The man on the golf course related to me for three holes differently than the fourth hole only because he started relating to a different part of who I was. I relate differently to Holy Spirit Father God and Jesus, but it's all God. But when I talk to them, I relate differently because of the title and the function that they have. I would like people to relate to me the same way, regardless of the title of being a friend or a pastor or a father or a companion or a husband, but they don't. Depending on what role I'm in, people relate differently. And I want to suggest that can happen with God too. I feel more nurtured when I connect with Father God. Titles and names matter. I believe that God is one person who wants to relate to us in three connected ways. And they're all relational. It's not we relate to Jesus and then God does his you know, geopolitical thing in the universe or something like that. No, it, it's all relational. Mark Chironi, um, a pastor from New York, said, the, the fundamental principle of the universe is relationship. And so anything we do is going to be relationally connected anyway. So why is God three in one? I believe God does this because God wants to be more fully and completely known by the children he loves. So I can connect with him as father when I'm dealing with those kinds of things. I can connect him with Jesus when I'm dealing with friend kind of things. I can connect with Holy Spirit when I'm doing other sorts of things. We don't have to, but why wouldn't we want to have more of a connection? Well, you know me and Bible verses, so I need to do some Bible verses behind this thing. Can't get through a whole sermon without doing that. There's two final points I want to do. First of all, Jesus is God. 
in our culture now, and even in the church, somehow God beco- or Jesus becomes less, like he's the person we can relate to and God's up there and he's holy and all that. Jesus is God. In John 10, 30, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Jesus is not just a nice guy. Hello? He is nice, but he's also God. Jesus is not just a man who did good things a long time ago and then he died. Jesus is also God. Anything that devalues Jesus below being God must be rejected. Or we've missed Jesus entirely. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Hey, if Jesus was just a nice guy, we can all do something else on Sunday morning. Eh, maybe go play golf. Thank you for the one person who smiled there. I really appreciate that. The second thing I want to leave with you, and, and this is going to be the last little piece, is to know God more, we need to know Jesus more. If you have your Bibles or you've opened your Bibles, click or turn to John chapter 14. And I, w- I would like you to go there because we're going to go through a little passage. The whole part of the first part of John 14 can be instructive for this, but I'm just going to narrow down to four verses. Follow along reading from the NIV. John 14, beginning at chapter or chapter 14, beginning at verse six. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. <coughs> Excuse me. Verse 8, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and it will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Let's go back through these. Verse 6, Jesus says to his disciples, he's trying to help them grow in their understanding of who he is and the relationship that they can have with, with God. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If we're studying only the characteristics of who God is or God the Father is, we're going to have a hard time getting there because Jesus said, Nobody gets to the Father except through me. To know God more, we need to know Jesus more. No one gets to the Father except through me. Then he goes on to say in verse 7, if you really knew me, you would know the Father as well. Do you see the link here between connecting and knowing Jesus and knowing the Father and the rest of who God is. <clears throat> and he, and then Jesus says this remarkable statement. From now on, you do know him. But based in context, we know him to the degree that we know Jesus. Because we can't get to the Father and that intimacy that we want to have with Father if we aren't having that intimacy and connectedness with Jesus. So Philip, bless God, he he says a question like what I would say. Well, God, Lord, show us the Father, and that's going to be good enough. 
And Jesus goes, oh, my goodness, they missed it again. That isn't quite what he said, but it's sort of like what he said in verse 9. He said, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been with you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. If we feel like we really don't know God or get God, I want to suggest it means we really don't know Jesus very well. It's not a condemnation. It's just saying here's where we're at in our relationship. God, I want to learn about your goodness. I want to learn about your forgiveness. God, I want to learn about how you actually want to relate to people. Then look and see what Jesus did. All the time I hear people ask, well, I don't know what to read in the Bible. Okay, if you don't know what to read, go read the Gospels. Because they tell you about the life of Jesus. And if you've seen Jesus and the way he interacts with people, the way he honors the Father, the way he lives his life and functions as the Son here, Look at Jesus, and you're going to learn about the Father. See, we tend to see God as being really, really big. And really, you know, he's got, you know, universal things in mind. But what did Jesus do to the broken, the lost, the left out, the unimportant, the devalued? He especially made time for them. If you're in a place right now where you feel like, wow, God's just far away, Hey, he's not, because Jesus is always relating to those that feel left out, unimportant, or devalued. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Read what Jesus did throughout his life. The only people he ever got bugged about were religious people. Don't be religious. That's not a good thing. It tends to end up poorly for you. But if you're relational... If you're connecting with Jesus, you're going to learn about God. Anyone who has seen me, Jesus said, has seen the Father. What's your view of Jesus? And that can be expanded to every other revelation of who God is that you could more completely know him. What if the next time you were praying, you, you actually said, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to, to give a prophetic word to this person? What's on your heart to say? Maybe that's too weird, but, you know, think about it. If we feel like we don't know God, it means we don't really know Jesus very well either. Father God will become less distant and more personal as we see Jesus learn more about Jesus, and develop our relationship with Jesus. And you will be able to pray with Father God in a different way over time. Holy Spirit will become less mysterious and more personal as we see Jesus, learn more about Jesus, and develop our relationship with Jesus. We, like Philip, say, Lord, show us the Father. And Jesus answered, Rob, don't you know me? Mary, don't you know me? City River, don't you know me? If you've seen me, you've seen Father. You've seen his heart. You've seen his passions. You've seen his desires. You've seen his interests. You've seen the way he 
wants to work and, and connect with people. Jesus was incredibly relational. And if we've seen him, God is the same way. He so wants to relate with you. You got issues with your parents? Jesus was so relational. And God, the Father, wants to say, hey, we can fix those relationships. We can get them healed. You want to do exploits for God? You can talk to Holy Spirit. And he relationally wants to connect with you to bring the kingdom to other people. Our relationship with God will be most effectively growing as we see and understand Jesus. God, I ask right now that you'd take these words and you'd do something right now. You would plant a new hunger and a new desire and a new passion in each man and woman who's hearing me right now, that they would say, I want to know Jesus because I want to know God. I want to know more about him. I want to connect more relationally with him. And God, I ask that you would restore hope where people feel like God is just too big. Holy Spirit is just too weird. I'll never really connect with a God who says he's Father God because I don't know how to connect with fathers. God, I thank you for hope. Hope that God will do everything he said he desires to do, that there will be a connection that becomes more and more real. Every place where the enemy has planted a thought that says, well, other people can do it, but not you. That in Jesus' name, that voice stops for a little while, and there will be clear communication between God and his people. Father, I thank you that you're raising up perseverance in people's hearts to say, I want Jesus or I don't want anything because knowing Jesus connects me with God. And God, I ask for a humility in us that when we're stuck, when we can't seem to get over the hump with something, we will reach out to our spiritual advisors, those who we value uh, to be able to speak in a, into our lives. And we will humble ourselves and go, I can't break through. I got this area, it's just stuck. I can't see Jesus in that area of my life. That there would be a courage given. There would be a willingness to risk, to say, whatever it takes, I'm going to get to know Jesus better because I want to get to know God better. So thank you, God. For this time, thank you for being such a relational, loving, hopeful, just spectacularly good God. Amen. The Lord bless you. Sunel, I'll give it to you now. Thank you. Mm -hmm.